Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is the premise of the show. Too much information in the brain, and uh, none of it's going to leave. In many ways, it just it grows every day, not unlike <laughs> the Grinch's heart. Uh, speaking of Grinch, uh, our co-host, who's a little skeptical of the Rock Hall, you know, she uh, has her feelings about it. She's full of takes. The voice of the people, Kristen Stuttered. Hi, Kristen. How are you? The thought that you would think that your heart is somehow bigger than mine and that you would imply that in a public well, forum. Well, what I said was I'm comparing the heart size to Rock Hall knowledge. So oh, okay. in that in that respect. Yeah. Bah humbug or what what does the Grinch say? Bah humbug? <laughs> what does the Grinch say? He doesn't say bah humbug, but what's his bah humbug? Does he say anything? It's mostly facial reactions, I feel like. Okay. Well, for the Grinch. Yeah. I, I'm making a Grinch face then in that case. <laughs> I mean, bah humbug. I want to say so that for a second that you thought the Grinch says bah humbug. I didn't humbug. think he said it. I just was like, whatever his version of that is. I will I will give to you that Grinch and Scrooge, the way those words sound are It's not that I similar. thought that the Grinch says bah humbug. It was well, literally people, just- People could review the tapes and see what it is that you <laughs> thought. Well, you have at it. <laughs> let's uh, let's bring in our guest. Very excited to have him on the show. He's the host of the Rock Solid podcast, Pat Francis. Hey, Pat. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're, we're doing great. Off to a roaring start with this episode. I gave <laughs> Kristen a little guff, and, and now it's happening. I love the Grinch. I'll tell you that right now. Thank you. I collect uh, Grinch Christmas ornaments. I got about 40 of them. It's, uh, it's a sickness. Do you like, the, you like the OG Grinch? How do you feel about the Jim Carrey Grinch? Uh, no, Jim Carrey Grinch is bad. There's also a Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch as well. What Yeah, it's, are you uh, talking about? It's computer animated and it looks good. It's just okay. It's no. like illumination. It's like, I think it's the people who did like the minions and stuff. They did yeah. a uh, Grinch yeah. a few years ago. I'm surprised it didn't change your world Kristen yeah. did it permeate did not permeate my bubble I found out that my cousin's kids had never seen the animated Grinch that they thought that the only Grinch that existed was the live action one a few years ago and I got very upset and then I tried to make them watch it's a 30 minute cartoon version you would think that they would really be into it and they were like there's all this talking <laughs> dang well yeah not enough slapstick toilet humor not enough implied sexual tension between neighbors <laughs> we'll show Gosh. them the, the live version cat in the hat next time uh, and then maybe you'll get them off of live oh action versions altogether. pat yes first question i usually ask our guests is and this is maybe a little bit different for you you host a podcast about rock and roll but yep. what is your reference level for the rock and roll hall of fame it's a peripheral institution for many but I'm wondering what you're coming into the show with in terms of knowledge, experience. Well, I've been I've been to the ceremony. All right. right. 2016, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Yep. I went when uh, when Cheap Trick, which is my favorite band, when they got inducted. And uh, there were other great bands that year. Uh, Deep Purple in Chicago and um, Steve Miller. Steve Miller was cranky, but he was a cranky. He was a little cranky guy that that year. But he deserved to be cranky because uh, the Black Keys knew nothing about Steve Miller. Yeah. Famously a mismatch. So, yeah, I've been up close and personal with it. It's a flawed institution, but I do enjoy it. 
I, I like watching the HBO uh, coverage of it every year, and uh, and I vote, you know, online. Right. And I and I pull for artists I love, and I root against artists I don't think should be in. <laughs> Ooh, rooting against. Yes. You do like the Grinch. <laughs> it's not enough to root for the people you like. You got to root against those who you don't. I like. Ah, that. humbug. As the, as, the, yeah, as the Grinch famously said, bah humbug. Okay, so yeah, you're dialed in, so to yeah. speak, with the rock call. The subject at hand today. Oh yeah, BTW listeners, I so far truly don't know what we're talking about today. This is one of those episodes. Christmas episode where we talk about Christmas characters. Based on the show so far, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I actually had something else planned. One of the things that comes up on the show quite a bit and we've never really gone in depth, devoted a full episode to it, is what's left for classic rock in the Hall of Fame? Could the Hall be done with classic rock? In year, recent years, they have grabbed a lot of them, swept them in. In <sighs> the years after that, it seems like it is dwindling. And so I think it is worth a episode to talk about is there classic rock that's left, that's out there, that is worthy, that could be considered, that shouldn't be considered? First, I want to comment on Kristen's audible sigh when she heard <laughs> what the topic was. There were some eye rolls as well. Well, for the I mean, I just the thought that we haven't hit hit this is somehow uh, news <laughs> to me. Uh, but I often talk about, you know, sweeping out the 60s and then just scraping out the 70s. And I was sitting here trying to think of like, what would we be doing? Are we just like we're cranking out the classic rock? Like we're trying to get to the very bottom of just what's left. And this is going to be a big foreigner conversation, I feel like. We're really like I can feel what we're really going to have to go deep on and um, uh, see you at the end of the episode, everybody. <laughs> She's mentally checking out. Joe, what do you consider classic rock? Would, would a Pat Benatar be classic rock? So that's a great question because classic rock as a genre, as a term is nebulous. Yeah. And in a sense, it is just a radio format. True. I mean, how else do you define it? Uh, you have to look at what classic rock stations play. And also classic rock has at times in different markets turned into something else, turned into a more general rock. Like I would say that Los Angeles does not have a pure classic rock station. We have KLOS, which is close yeah. But I think they're more under the umbrella of general rock. You could hear, say, for example, Incubus on KLOS. Oh. And I would not call Incubus classic rock. Something would burst in my brain if I had to do that. And then they will also occasionally play very sparingly like a Rival Sons or like a, you know, a, a new... What is that? Is that a new band? Rel <laughs> relatively. Or like a Greta Van Fleet might be... Okay more on your radar that will happen sometimes but you know they're generally classic rock and then in some markets there are stations that are a little more pure i think for our purposes we stop it right before grunge i don't think oh okay so we go through the 80s on this one you then. go i think you go through the 80s not too much the other it, it, there's just so many formats and it is hard to keep track of because like there are a number of artists who could be classic rock who are classified more as 80s who get played on 80s stations none of this makes sense but it's just kind of like a, a feel for like what some boardroom decides is classic rock 
the cure is not classic rock. Mm. The B-52s are not classic rock. Right. Those tend to be played on your Jack FM, Bob FM. So kind of anything that could come be be like swept up in the new wave is not going to be considered classic rock. For for the most part. But maybe more traditionally guitar-based with few to no synth influence synth fluence there's Ooh. i would say there's some there's some synth fluence in classic rock a song and we'll get to that and okay. uh, i've got a list here of i've tried to put together a list of what i think are artists that are definitively classic rock and get a decent amount of play on a classic rock radio that aren't in the hall and you know there were some cuts that had to be made <laughs> like if you're listening to a classic rock station that does like the deep cuts you might hear a Harry Nielsen song on occasion. Maybe you'll hear Jump Into the Fire. You can jump into the fire, but you never I don't consider Harry Nielsen to be a classic rock act, though. I don't think Harry Nielsen really gets played on the radio and Harry, Harry's not in the hall? He is not in the rock and roll mm-hmm. hall. Wow. Thing, which is surprising. Let me throw an artist out to you, and you tell me if this guy made your list and if you consider him classic rock. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. I'm locked in. Billy Idol. Yes. He was actually a late addition to the list. Okay. But I do think he is classic rock. He is a weird artist. And there's a few artists like this where a portion of their career is classic rock. And then another portion of it goes to like the 80s, 90s, and today. <laughs> the right? Jack FM. Like of it all. I think with Billy Idol, I think White Wedding. Oh, it's a- And Rebel Yell. Rebel Yell. a lot of play on classic rock radio, but I think Eyes Without a Face and Dancing With Myself may go to it's an all 80s rewind weekend bucket. Weirdly. But not in the classic rock block. Correct. Maybe not, yeah. It, and it's silly. Maybe there's a, some I mean, sort of just, sonic. I, to me, it sounds also, once again, like you're categorizing new wave. It's like the new wave influence pushes it out of the classic rock. I think that the new wave is what swept out classic rock. Mm-hmm. I think that the new wave crashed to shore on a wave of synths and uh, just kind of took us all to a different genre or whatever, changed what popular music or like radio rock was about. About. I'm kind of hung up on the idea is Pat Benatar classic rock because in my mind, she's not because I think of classic rock as more 70s based, 60s okay. and 70s based. And she's like more of like an 80s artist. I consider her rock, but I guess classic rock, it hadn't occurred to me that we're there yet, that we're putting 80s music in the classic rock category. And if you want to be technical, Heartbreaker is 1979. Okay. You know, October 1979. (laughs) So just under the wire. But I mean, I know what you're saying. I think Pat is also another artist where like, there's a good amount of songs that gets played for her on classic rock radio, but then like, I don't think We Belong does. That's where the partition is for Pat. Well, that kind of 80s drum on We Belong, especially, takes it out of contention, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's weird because it's like these decisions are made by some guys in Clear Channel, probably decades ago, made some sort of distinction of what's what and, and where music goes. And then that's kind of what we have to now 
delineate this stuff. Right. I would like to know more about those decisions and who made them and why they made them and what motivated them because it's all very shadowy, but the ripple effect is massive. There's got to be payola involved, right? I think so. You know, who isn't a classic rock artist is, in my opinion, and the opinion of radio stations is Bob Dylan. You don't hear Bob Dylan on classic rock radio. The radio station I listened to in Pittsburgh when I was growing up did not play Bob Dylan, and suddenly they did. Suddenly they started playing some tracks from Bob Dylan. And I remember thinking like, this warrants an announcement or something like you can't just, it was definitive. There was none. And then now there's some, and then it went away. Like something happened. I remember reading something, but again, there's like this kind of stuff isn't well documented and it's all very shadowy, but I think there was some sort of rights issue where you weren't allowed to play that music. They didn't have the rights to it. Not even just locally, but nationally. Do you think you're the only person who noticed this? (laughs) This is a great question. The fact that you are like, there was none, then there was some, and then it went away again. And I'm the only one who, who really saw it happen. I'm curious as to why you think it was a big deal. It sounds like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Thank you. Dylan on. <laughs> Was I the only one to notice? I guess what I'll say is. Were there think- message boards at this time? Could you, could you I log wasn't, on if there and were, find I wasn't out? involved, but I will say if sometimes you think like, who's listening to the radio. And then if you ever try to call the radio station, when there's a contest, it's impossible to get in. So there's clearly a lot of people listening. If the right. portion of people who call in of the greater sample of people who are listening. It's a a lot of people listen to the radio. Certainly at least one other person could tell you that this Bob Dylan thing was happening. I I feel like Bob Dylan isn't even necessarily rock. He belongs like on a singer-songwriter station. Right, exactly. Similarly, I don't think Cat Stevens is right. classic rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor or, the yeah. loft of Sirius XM. Yeah. There you of go. A gentle music for your workday and workplace. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sirius XM has done a good job of widening the nets and creating more buckets so that these artists who did not traditionally get play on terrestrial radio before had a place to go and be heard. Agree. So I have a list of a few dozen artists and we'll do these in in somewhat chronological order. I have arranged it based on the Hall's eligibility qualifications, which are their first released recording. And you, it kind of starts mid sixties. That's another thing with I and mean, we talked about the 80s artists that get cut off. There are 60s artists who they're, they get cut off the first part of their they, career. They're oldies. So it's oldies, <laughs> classic rock, and then it's Jack FM. That's And then alt-rock radio. And then has, alt-rock it, radio right. absorbs the 90s and beyond. So funny, the 90s and beyond is 30 years of music. But certainly today has been <laughs> 20 years yeah. plus. All the decades are defined up until like after the 90, then like 2000 on, 
I can't really get a handle on what the music, I mean, you know what I mean? It's because there isn't a definitive rock genre right. from the 2000s. Yeah. Um, there's a, a lot of definitive pop music. I would say like Y2K as like a pop genre, like yeah. boy band type early 2000s. And then at that point as well is you get some really serious kind of like, this is when rap music really has a, a bunch of defined kind of True. genres. And, you know, you can hear the difference between rap music from the teens versus the aughts and stuff. But yeah, rock music, we have this brief dabble into fucking rap rock for some reason. Uh, we And we live with the consequences. Uh, Every day. We, we continue to imagine <laughs> dragons. I don't think there's not really like kind of rock music falls off as far as like being a definable genre anymore. Right. Agree. Yeah, it, it is hard to put your finger on it because there's not enough examples. Are you guys familiar with, there was an act passed by Congress, Telecommunications Act of 1996. Mm -hmm. And I had not really known much about it until relatively recently. And the more I look into it, it explains a lot of stuff. It allowed companies to own a lot of radio stations. Before there uh, was a there was a cap to it. This is what has gotten us the freaking Sinclair Media conglomerate and the iHeartRadio. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, wow. and iHeartRadio Heart is just a rebrand of Clear Channel because they were such uh, they were villains. so reviled. Yes, they <laughs> yes. were they were the true villains of radio that they had to rebrand with a nice like heart emoji so that people <laughs> wouldn't want to kill them. Mm -hmm. And hey, their podcasters just unionized. So how about that? Okay, good on, good on that. So after this Telecommunications Act in 1996, it meant that, yeah, these big companies now could own radio and could buy up when before they were limited. And you could have independent radio stations that had their own character that could make decisions on what to broadcast and what music to air locally. And a lot of weird and interesting stuff slips through the cracks that way because a radio station decides they want to play something kind of offbeat or a little unusual. A little left of the dial. You might say. But I, I do think that it, you can kind of pinpoint that moment and then all the decisions in radio especially rock are coming from one place this is bumming me out <laughs> <laughs> like really hard <laughs> well we don't have to, we don't have to keep talking about it because we're talking about classic rock oh great right. something that will make me happier you, you yes it will <laughs> i think it will let me get a handle on uh, Kristen. who's your favorite music artist boy that's a really hard i use uh, the talking heads probably okay all right cool who i will say our classic rock with my definition of that the new wave here we go out. i mean i understand that the late 70s are where they're from but who they are no they're not classic rock. I they are, though. I squarely, mm, I squarely, Here's I reject thing, Kristen, your. You don't I, make the calls, and I don't make the calls. They get played on classic rock radio. Talking about classic rock. I don't let those those guys don't make the calls either. The gavel is coming down. No way, man. <laughs> I declare. And I will say this: some classic rock bands, like again, my favorite band's Cheap Trick. Classic rock radio plays three songs, right? But Talking Heads, there's a ton of their songs that get played on classic rock radio. It's not just like three or four, like yeah, it they goes have, deep. Tons. They have a yeah. lot of hits. Yeah, uh, they did. I wouldn't put them on a classic rock station, but I probably wouldn't put on a classic rock station most of the time. Yeah. Well, you're missing out because they play the talking hits. <laughs> 
you know, we're, banned 24 seven. We're in it. We're in the, the streaming era. It has come for us all. But thinking about where classic rock starts, it also interrupts certain bands careers the way that where it ends, it, it chops off a band's career. Like say the Beatles, I want to hold your hand is not classic rock, but come together is classic rock. Yeah. Well, should we get to the list? To my All list right, of Joe, classic give us rock your artists? list. Tell us your little list. I'm excited. And Kristen is bah humbug. I, yep, <laughs> that's me. All right. So this is a group that I think it's cut, but I think it's like just one year before is, is probably oldies. And then the year after is classic rock. And that's the guess who. A band, which I like. Yeah. I like the guess who also. They're funky, man. They can be. They're a little groovy. Yeah. I like it when they're groovy. I like them when they're funky. No Sugar Tonight. That's a good song. And I feel like they have a handful of songs that'll maybe be on, on classic rock radio. I don't know if they're going to be considered for the rock hall it feels like we've moved past yeah i don't see that happening they have tons of albums but the sweet spot is only a couple of years and then i yeah. think the, for me the quality really falls off so longevity is there but then the quality for me isn't there so i don't know if that hurts you right and is that longevity the quality yeah. isn't prolonged it really and is I a don't one think or two year they're period. very pertinent I, like yeah i just don't see them having the juice in a 2022 world yeah I think if they got on the ballot, they would waltz right in because they appeal to the Rock Hall voter who cling to the dreams of the 60s. Yeah, who's been sweeping it out for a long time. But yeah, I don't see it getting past the nominating process. <laughs> I, You know, the only thing that maybe the Guess Who could have on their side as, like if anyone cared about this, is that they are Canadian. You know, outside of Rush, I can't think of another Canadian band that is in the Rock Hall. And, you know, they are, I believe there's some sort of Canadian Music Hall of Fame or just Canadian Hall of Fame. The Guess Who is certainly in there. But, you know, the Rock Hall, even though they don't say it, it's an American institution. Mm. Yeah, And I believe the Guess Who still tours, but they don't tour with Randy Bachman or Burton Cummings, who are the only two people you would want to see. They tour with just the drummer. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's just the original drummer and, and no oh. one else. Wow. That's it's, rude. It's pathetic. I think that's cruel and uh, misleading, and I yeah. believe it to be a con. The drummer, I guess, owns the rights to the name so he can do whatever he wants on the road. That's wild. And why do I know that? Because you, you saw you them? You haven't seen it, have you? Okay, have look, <laughs> here's the deal. Rudy Sarzo, uh, bass player Rudy Sarzo from White Snake and Quiet Riot. Mm -hmm. and Ozzy, yeah. He was a guest on my podcast, and it just so happens that he was touring as the bass player with the Guess Who. So he invited me to go out to the Canyon Club. So yeah, I so I went. Now, if I'm being honest, I left five songs in because it just was not, it was not doing it for me. Yeah. So, and it is crazy that someone like Rudy Sarzo, who is from a completely different era. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Has picked up a gig with a guess who. Uh, well, you know, he's toured with Blue Oyster Cult. I think if someone needs a bass player and he's not doing anything, he'll go make the money. So a reliable bass player is a reliable bass player, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a stand-up comedian who, you know, if they throw a shitty one-nighter your way, you know it's shitty, but you're not doing anything and you might want that money, you'll go do it. We cannot relate. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, their debut is the 68, so a few years after the Guess Who, is Jethro Tull. That, and that's a band that I've seen. Did not have a good time. 
And they're not in the Rock Hall. They are not mm-hmm. in the Rock Hall. Well, I mean, I fully believe Jethro Tall should be in the Rock Hall. I mean, that's like a name you throw out there. Every, whether you like him or not, you know, they've been around forever. They're still around. Yeah, it's, you know, and when you talk about the classic rock bands that, you know, from name recognition, you can name several songs yeah, and have certain songs that, you know, Aqualung is just like, that's like one of those riffs that sticks around. But they got a flute. So it complicates things, doesn't it? I don't think the flute complicates it. I just almost the flute I think, probably actually is a, yeah, I a think fun the flute little is thing a in plus. their favor. I think a flute is a flute adds to yeah, it is unique, and, yeah. And it's the thing that everybody knows about Jethro Tull. You Without know? the flute, like, what are they really? Exactly. They are literally just another two-hit wonder. Sorry. And and even with the flute. I think I'm probably going to have a very similar feeling about a lot of these bands as we go through, <laughs> which is just that, like, if we didn't get them in yet, we don't got in Moody Blues them. We can just move on. And then maybe someday there'll be an old timers committee. And once they've gotten <laughs> all the freaking Tommy James and the Shondells in and everybody else that everybody is always talking about that got left behind, they'll go back and they'll be like, wow, let's just add Jethro Tull's name to some imaginary list somewhere and then that'll happen i don't see the impetus for them getting in if you want to just copy that if you want to cut that part and just paste it in after <laughs> for every artist for yeah, everyone no maybe you, i'll have different feelings would you them. say Kristen, if they were in, to induct jethro toll they might be dot 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 living in the past <laughs> that's a jethro toll song it is a jethro toll song okay <laughs> You probably don't know it because you're thick as a brick. Okay. The the Rock Hall doesn't really embrace prog rock too much. Not so much. There's only, you know, there's Genesis, yes, Yes. yes. Rush. Rush. And that's about it. And we know the guy who was brought onto the committee to advocate for prog rock. That's our friend Rick Krim, who was on the show last week. He's the one who who got Rush on the ballot, Genesis and, and Yes. And uh, I don't know if Tull is on his uh, priority list. He might be the one to do it, if anybody. The thing about Rush is they, they eventually became an MTV band and had mm-hmm. AM mm-hmm. hits. And the early albums are prog rock and, you know, they're master musicians. So... I feel like they check a lot of boxes and that they should have probably been in the rock hall a little bit earlier than they were even. They're mo- they're far more notable than yes. Jethro Tull. I agree. Some might say far more famous. Uh, yes. Interesting. But huh? then some people say that the name. It's, it's about influence too. And did, did Jethro Tull influence Rush or prog rock bands that came after Jethro Tull? And that I don't know. I don't know either. I'm just trying to sound knowledgeable. (laughs) (laughs) They do have a flute, though. They have a flute. Here is an artist whose career was so long, he kind of had a comeback that the comeback is not in the classic rock part, but his early stuff is, and that's Joe Cocker. Oh, Lindsay, my best friend from college, uh, listens to this show. She loves Joe Cocker. Uh, I, by proxy, also love Joe Cocker. I wouldn't be mad if he got in, but honestly cut and paste my prior i don't see the 
impetus for them getting in. And I think I've said this before too, though, but like as far as honoring a vocalist, someone who should be honored is Joe Cocker. I think he's an incredible interpreter of songs. And I think maybe I grew up watching The Wonder Years and that has impacted me. And also, you know, I have a best friend who was really into him and continues to be, but I wouldn't be upset. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Is he still alive? No, he's not. No. And before he died, he was sick, and Billy Joel tried to get it out there that he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It wasn't enough. Never even got on a ballot. Wow, if Billy Joel can't do it for you, I don't know. Yeah, no, is it's there not any looking hope? Good. It's not looking good. This is what lets me down about the Rock Hall is they know these uh, some of these artists are getting up there in age. Why don't they honor them while they're alive and they can enjoy it? Hmm. I know. I mean, it I really, it, it's disappointing when someone passes and then two years later they get in. It's yeah, that we've asinine. seen. We've seen a good amount of that. We've yeah, seen the. Sure. Uh, and sometimes it's it's as devastating as like Donna Summer, where she was nominated maybe four times while she was alive, yeah. and then died, and then got in as soon as she died, uh, which is such a shame. Yeah, for that to have happened, but you also get why the voting body, like it's a very you get the instinct of the voting body to be like, oh, it's so sad they just died. Let's let's put them in. We've been thinking a lot about this person who just died. We're going to vote for them out of, you know, sympathy. Yeah, like, let's be honest. I, I love the Foo Fighters, but they could wait 10 more years to put the Foo Fighters in. My oh, guy. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't feel they're going anywhere. Nope. And everyone loves them. They get adulation. They sell records. They Everyone wants to do stuff with them. They could have waited 10 years and you put someone in that doesn't have 10 years even left on the planet. Like a Dionne Warwick, for example, yeah. someone who uh, yeah, made the bow for the first time at the age of 80. And uh, we hope to see Dion in very soon. Yeah. Hey, we've barely scratched the surface of this list, but I think we're at a point where we can uh, we can take a little bit of a break. And then when we come back, oh, we're going to we're going to go through some names and Kristen's going to go, I guess. So if you're if you're excited for that, uh, hang on and we'll be back in just a second. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. Uh, we hope over your break. You, you, you took a bite and you enjoyed it. Yeah. Whether that's literal or mm -hmm. a metaphor. In uh, any way you choose to interpret. Go out there and get your bite. Take a bite and enjoy it for crying out loud. This is weird. I took a bite out of crime during oh. the break. Acceptable. That's acceptable. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we and as McGruff that. would say, bah humbug. Um, <laughs> that was his catchphrase. Yep. He sure did know how to get, get us in the spirit. Um, the next <laughs> artist is someone who is played on classic rock radio. Maybe they only have one song that gets a lot of play, although they, are, they should be in the conversation, though, because their work especially from the perspective of musicians, is uh, highly regarded, and that's Warren Zevon. Now, I put Warren Zevon as a classic rock artist. Werewolves of London is played like round the clock on classic rock radio. And also, this is, this, this is an artist who had a, quite a comeback at the end of his life with The Wind, which was a very well-received album that he made as he was dying. Yeah. And I think... It could happen for Warren Zevon because I think he has the cred 
that the, kind of the artists that we've mentioned so far yeah, do not have. That I think is his biggest plus. But I do think that the brevity of the most notable part of his career is working against him along with the fact that he did. Yeah. I think that of the ones you've said so far, he has the most juice with the nomcom in particular with like people critics. who are a little more, yeah, critics, like yeah. a little more maker yeah. type people. Yeah, people like Springsteen and Jackson Brown, they they love Warren Zevon. I mean, you would think they, they would have some clout in uh, doing something for Warren. Yeah, and he even got a shout out when David Letterman inducted Pearl Jam. Letterman threw in there, he was like, hey, let's get Warren Zevon in here, huh? He would be a good candidate to induct Warren Zevon. He would be. Warren Zevon used to sit in when Paul Schaefer could not make the show. He used to be the band leader for David Letterman in Schaefer's absence. Okay, the, the next name, and this is our last artist to have debuted in the 60s, 1969, was Zevon. This artist is also 1969. Grand Funk Railroad. GFR. A band that was huge for a very short amount of time and have a decent amount of songs that get played on classic rock radio. We're an American band, probably the one you're going to hear the most often. Yeah, a big band. I don't think they have the, like in comparison to Warren Zevon, not a ton of cred, not a ton of people now being like what really inspired me to make make music was the grand funk railroad yeah the only thing they have going for them might be that they are an american band <laughs> exactly <laughs> right yeah that's their leg up over the guess who is that they've got uh, yeah, exactly. american credit they'll remind you but i would take the guess who over grand funk any day those songs resonate with me more the grand the uh guess who songs yeah i think i'm with you there yeah i don't see it happening for the grand old funk no no Mm -mm. you know we talked about artists that would get in if they were on the ballot let's do the exact opposite let's talk about a band that has been on the ballot many times but has not gotten in and that's the jay giles band moving on (laughs) let me let me add this for you joe please i had uh, i had little steven uh, on my show, I said, if you had a gold ticket that you could throw down and put a band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right now, who would it be? And he didn't even hesitate. He said, Jay Giles band. Of course he did. And now why do we think that they've been on the ballot so many times? Big question. How how could it be? Yeah. <sighs> That's a great fact, Pat. I really appreciate it. And it yeah. does nothing uh, but solidify <laughs> the feelings I already have. I think, I yeah. think it's worthwhile to try and get a, maybe a little more specific about why they tend to be a whipping boy for this show. Because there are some listeners who are vocal online who love the Jay Giles band. And, you know, often it comes from a place of... They're so great live. Yes, you had to be there. And also, like, they had big hits. They had a steady amount of minor hits for a period of time. Yeah. For maybe 10 plus years. But that's the thing is, like, sure, Centerfold was big. So was Freeze Frame. Although there's, again, that razor-thin line where I believe Freeze Frame is not included in classic rock, but Centerfold is. Love Stinks. Must Have Got Lost. 
Yeah, give it to me. The last songs we mentioned, they maybe cracked the top 40, like barely. So we're not talking about huge songs that people know. Like Kristen, did did any of those? I mean, you you know Love Stinks, but like... I've talked about this before. They suffer from a thing that a lot of bands suffer from, which is they have a really monster kind of somewhat novelty hit. And that is their defining characteristic. There is not a groundswell of people who have seen them live... (laughs) to vote them into the hall of fame you can like them fine everyone can like anything and also they can be great yes that's something that is absolutely i don't dispute that for anyone ourselves included to get over which is that it is totally fair if the best band in the world doesn't get in the rock hall yep because if they don't like really have the resume to back it up they don't have the influence or the big hits or whatever. That's just how it works. Ideally. Yes, ideally, <laughs> of course, with some exceptions, both on the inclusion and exclusion sides of the equation. But the quality of the musicianship, that's not the end-all be-all. That isn't the ticket in. And the reality is Jake Gow's band were, especially compared to their peers, a minor band. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> for, me, Sorry. for me, they feel like a moderately successful regional band mm-hmm. yep. you know what i mean yeah they're boston right right yes they were boston yeah. based that feels right you don't see me here being like the modern lovers have got to be in perfect you yeah. know yeah. like uh, you don't see me going to the mat for jonathan richmond so low which is the, the, the output there is exceptional yeah. and great great music but there's a number and we talk about and now categories people are going to be like talking about how bigger hits came from jay giles i don't care man i'm just saying as far as regional boston bands go Let's put the modern lovers in before yeah, we, we start talking about John, Jay Giles. And we also understand that I, this is just for the nitpicky listener. We understand yeah. that they had massive national worldwide success. It just really didn't hit the peak that you need to hit. Also with influence, I just don't know that there's many bands that came after them that were influenced and by the Jay Giles band. Also, the Jay Giles band, they finally have their biggest hit album with Freeze Frame. It sells 3 million copies. And then Peter Wolf leaves the band. And so that's pretty, it derails, it derails any, what do you, uh, trajectory, momentum that they just build up after all those years. Right. So blame Peter Wolf. Well, as some would say, moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Here's a band that, uh, speaking of prog rock, here's a band that comes up, I feel like in our mentions online every once in a while, a very, uh, has a passionate fan base, a group that you know, I don't see it, but it's Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. <sighs> that, that, that sigh can be our comment. <laughs> Again, I mean, these are guys who come from the prog rock world. Yes. And this is, in, in a sense, a super group. Like, these are artists that are virtuosos, who are very highly skilled musicians. When we talk about songs that are still played on the radio, it's dwindling. I mean, Lucky Man is probably their biggest song. Uh, yeah, it is. And then maybe you'll hear a song called From the Beginning. From the beginning. Not likely anymore. And then there occasionally the song Carn Evil, number nine. No. 
will be played never, at a at a Joe, bad at a bad comedy club before <laughs> which is Joe, true. we never hear that that song never gets played joe you're lying <laughs> welcome back my friends to the show that never ends we're so glad you could attend come inside come inside they, they used to play it at the funny bone in pittsburgh pennsylvania because some dude who worked there thought it was fun because the it has the words like let's start the show or whatever yes <laughs> Come inside, come inside. Here's the thing. We're not going to deny that they're amazing musicians. But for me, the songs just aren't... You have to have songs people know. Yes, they're not there. You could argue that I shouldn't have put them on this list. <laughs> Is Asia on your list? No, I didn't put Asia on the list, but Asia's probably, uh, even though we're talking about the at the very bottom of the totem pole, but Asia probably more songs that people know. Yes, for sure. That was like prog pop almost. It was, they made it accessible to the masses. Right, not yeah. Not girls, not girls, but teenage boys. Sure, yeah. Little guys who liked math uh, right. could, could get into heat of the moment. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer is going to have to take a back seat for yeah, a while. And is this episode just going to make a, a lot of people mad? Probably. Um, wait, we're just giving our opinions. We're not saying that we're right or wrong. These are just, I mean, our opinions are right, but. <laughs> <laughs> and we're never, and we, uh, you know, are not saying that anyone's joy uh, that they get out of any of these bands is invalid or that any of these bands are necessarily bad bands, but you have to have some sort of an objective view of their career and success to evaluate. Cause if you don't have those measurements to determine who gets in the rock hall, then everybody gets in the rock hall. And right. the, the distinction is meaningless. I feel like the premise of this episode is, will they get in? Probably not. Like that, <laughs> it feels like, it feels like yeah. a parade of probably not. Yeah, the, the subtitle is if it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I feel like we're giving valid reasons though, why they won't get in. We're not just saying, Oh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer sucks. We're not saying that we're mm -hmm. giving valid reasons. And just keep in mind what Joe said, the best band in the world, they could be the best band in the world. They might be your favorite band in the whole entire world. Right. Doesn't mean that they need to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Although who cares? Put them in, <laughs> you know, whatever, man. <laughs> but, but often, often the frustration is framed in a way where the question is, why aren't they in the hall? Or I don't understand how they're not in the hall. I guess that's what we're attempting to answer okay. here today is why not them? Well, here's some fact-based uh, right. evidence, I suppose. Mine is all feelings-based. Mm -hmm. we'll, <laughs> we we'll get the full spectrum from facts to and, feelings. Hey, Joe, where are the female artists? What's uh, what's the sexism today? I oh, know. No, they've all been put in, Pat. There's nothing else. Don't, don't worry <laughs> oh, about the it. Lady, There's nobody all the ladies are in? Oh, yeah, okay. they've all been put in. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Terrific. I would point to the discrimination of the radio format first. Because that is the the rubric I'm following. All right, we, we will get to some female artists eventually. eventually? And it's what's the be reason why we can't? Why can't we get to them now, Joe? Why are you, why did you put them He's at the bottom of order. your list? Chron chronological. Oh, okay. Here's a band that you think maybe it, there would be women in there based on the name of the group, and it would be derogatory. But uh, <laughs> the band is Super Tramp, and it is all guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a bad transition, Joe. I just really need to hang a lantern on that one. Wow. 
That's a bad name. It's a bad band name, though, too, it's a right? Bad it is band a bad name, band name, but I had never even thought of it in that regard. You thought and of it like the tramp, like Charlie Chaplin? I thought of it more of like a trampoline. Well, I don't think that's it. <laughs> I don't think that's it either. No, but I like the idea of Charlie Chaplin with like a, a Superman cape. Now, this will, this will sound weird. I have a super tramp stamp. Now, that's cool, right? <laughs> that is cool. We we encourage that here. Yes. Super Tramp, I don't think, has maybe come up on the show before. They definitely have because the reason that I know the name of the band Super Tramp and like remember them is that when I was a kid, I asked my mom and my uncle who their favorite bands were. And I asked my mom, hers was Dire Straits and my uncle's was Supertramp. And I was like very young. I was like mm-hmm. the 80s at the time, clearly late 80s. And she uh, and so that's why I know what do they have Supertramp? What's they got? So they have a I would say they actually looking into a lot it, of hits. They had a lot of hits and that Breakfast in America album was mm-hmm. gigantic and had a lot of hits on it including the title track. Oh yeah, Goodbye Stranger. Logical song. Take a long way home. home. Yeah, I remember all this. Give a little bit, which this time of year gets a lot of play on commercials. They have some songs that didn't chart, but are still FM staples like Dreamer, Bloody Well Right. Right, right. you're bloody well right. You got a bloody right to say. Are they British then? Yes, I believe so. They were put together, or at least they were financed by a Dutch millionaire. Which is, you know, that's what we love to see. <laughs> Just a group put together by a millionaire to make hits. Let's and I think, go. I think their beginnings were kind of proggy until they pivoted to popier. I mean, they sound weird. You know, they're oh, not. The, yeah, his the primary voice you hear is this, is a high pitched one. Yeah, yeah. and the, yeah, the logical song is strange. What would you say? They'd be calling you a radical. It's strange. Yeah. <laughs> they have six top 20 hits in the U.S. That's pretty crazy. And yet, I just think the opinion of them is low. They were like a hit band. Although, I guess I'm like, if Dire Straits is in, put Super Tramp in. Who fucking cares? But Dire Straits has cred. And I think what they yeah. were able to accomplish sonically and like the sound and production of their work is so high regarded and i think mark knopfler as a songwriter and a guitarist is so it's our hero well liked yeah he is i mean i just think dire straits was taken more seriously yeah is it the name <laughs> if, if super it really might called... be i mean super tramp's a rough name it is one that name. i have not ever unpacked until today it's really so. the, it's the combo yeah. of the of the name and the like subject matter of the songs and that guy's voice i don't know it's just like there's an yeah, alchemy it, there they sound like a joke in a way they're just so of a time again no shade to you know uncle bobby's favorite band does the name work if the band was actually an all-female band and they were being cheeky yes or subversive and yeah, yeah they were being subversive and that absolutely works yeah it is a very, it's not a good name no speaking of names that could potentially be this is a name it is a name with a woman's name in it thin lizzy oh yeah thin lizzy and thin lizzy has been on the ballot and Thin mm-hmm. Lizzy does have cred. Thin Lizzy does not have a lot of songs that people know. 
they've got one big tent pole with boys are back in town. And then maybe you'll hear jailbreak. Or cowboy song. I don't think you'll hear anything else on the radio. They were nominated recently in Mm -hmm. the year when all of the kind of harder rock was nominated, right? right? That's correct. That year, you had Motorhead, who I don't consider to be classic rock for no other reason than they're not played on classic rock radio. You had Thin Lizzy. You had Soundgarden. uh, You had Judas Priest. Mm -hmm. And they all fell to the bottom of the barrel. But Thin Lizzy, I think we'll get in, actually. I think if you make the ballot, that's a good sign. And then I just think in the era that we will hit where the rock bands on the ballot are dwindling, when they've got a nice open lane, I can see them getting in. You think Thin Lizzy will get in? Of those bands that you just named, of the like Motorhead, Priest, other kind of harder rock bands, who do you think did the best that year? I would say probably Motorhead. Oh, interesting. Because I think there's a there's a mythology around Lemmy that can take them further than the others. But I would say put Judas Priest in before Motorhead because the guys in Judas Priest are still alive and they can enjoy it. That goes yeah. to my thing. Yeah, I mean, the classic lineup of Motorhead, are they They're all, all gone. They're yeah. all gone. So I mean- Fast Eddie and, and, and Filthy Animal and yeah. Lemmy, that's all. That's the classic lineup and they're all gone. So they can be put in down the line. It does and, not matter, yeah. You know, as far as them showing up and playing and accepting, that's not going to happen. And I know that when, because when they announce the nominees each year, they will put who the members are. And I there was some pushback because there were some later members who were with Motorhead for a very long time who ended up being added to the list, ultimately meaningless because they didn't get in, but you know, you got some dudes. That is such a sticking point for me with the rock hall that there's no rhyme or reason to who Who gets in of the band members. Right. Yeah. My biggest, if I can, uh, if I can go on a tangent real quick, Bob Welsh from Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. He's on five studio albums. He keeps the band alive until Stevie and Lindsay join and he doesn't get in and Mick and John don't fight for him to get in. And Christine doesn't fight for Bob Welsh to get in. Yeah. He's, he's never going to get in unless it's with Fleetwood Mac and he's, he's gone now, but I mean, right. that's that was, egregious, uh, especially because they included the Peter Green, Danny Carolyn. Yes. Yeah. They had those guys. You could kind right. of get it if they just decided for whatever reason, Fleetwood Mac started with Lindsay and Stevie, and that's right. What if it's just going to be that classic lineup, but there's a gap. There's right. the early, there's the oh well, Black Magic Woman, Peter Green era, and mm-hmm. then they skip this important bridge. Like you said, five albums with Bob Welsh. Yeah. Whoa, yeah, and that sucks. I mean, there's a lot like that. I mean, Doug Yule from the Velvet Underground is on as many classic albums with them as John Cale. He replaced John Cale, but he isn't in the original lineup. And then also people don't like him because he continued the Velvet Underground after everybody else left. And he made an album basically by himself as the Velvet Underground. But he was an important part of that band for a period of time that was an important era for them. Uh, There's a lot like that. I mean, I think Dave Abrazizi is one. He was the drummer for Pearl Jam. He wasn't on 10, but he was with them when 10 came out and he's on the next two albums. And then he mm-hmm. was, he was gone. That's the peak of Pearl Jam. 
anyway, we don't have to talk much about this next band, but I put them on here because they have songs that get played on a classic rock radio. And that is everybody's salute America. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, fine. I, I just, I feel like this is, I've said my piece. Just cut and paste it, please. Thank you. I don't see the impetus for them getting in. Understood. Any thoughts on the band America, Pat? You know, their greatest hits is solid. George Martin produced most of those hits, uh, which is a pretty significant thing. Famously, the Beatles producer who is in the hall himself. Right. But they're a staple of Yacht Rock Radio, and I think that hurts their credibility. It brings them down to like the level of bread, not not the food, the band. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, there's a softness to them. I just don't know that they're they're going to get in. I don't know if this is widely believed, but they ripped off Neil Young for Horse with No Name. Next up, a band with a lot of hits, many, many hits, huge success. Do they have cred? Doubtful. Ario Speedwagon. Oof, put them in my parents' rock hall. Put them on next to Chicago. Let's go, baby. Ario Speedwagon is a first ballot mom hall of fame. Without band. a doubt. <laughs> Put them straight in. They have a lot of songs that get played on classic rock radio. They might all, I mean, they have the ballad side and then there might be a little delineation with them. I don't know if those ballads get played as much, but you know, they had a long career with big hits and they were dorks. And that is ultimately what's going to kill them. You know, I don't see anybody in the nominating committee standing up for the speed wagon. I do see a lot of ladies standing up and step touching with a beer in their hand at a state fair, though. <laughs> I really do. Ario Speedwagon, they're fine. They're not Hall of Famers. Sorry. You know, maybe recording industry Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Just given like, man, they were they were popular. Yeah. They had some huge, huge hits. You think about Keep On Loving You. Keep on loving you. Or I Can't Fight This Feeling as like the ballads that were huge. But then there's also more straightforward rock, Time For Me To Fly. Roll with the changes. Take it on the run. Every person who has ever heard a radio has heard an Ario Speedwagon song. Like yeah. they are air, they are ubiquitous. You've been in a grocery store, you've heard Ario Speedwagon, the official song of Coles. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I I think you can. Today's artist in residency yeah. at Coles will be Ario Speedwagon. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't think we need to continue entertaining yeah. that yeah I, and look i'm a fan of ario speedwagon but there's other bands of that ilk that hopefully you'll mention them that i feel should get in yeah ario speedwagon to me is is just not a, one of those bands mm -hmm. you think about like this what rock and roll means beyond just like a sound you think about like rebellion and like grit and then you think about ario speedwagon what was that word someone used it when they were talking about kind of like when rock got like commercial Com like was it Corporate, corporate rock. rock. There we go. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, yeah, they are like definitively corporate rock. They are definitively corporate rock. And that's a negative yes, term. I learned that. I don't sure. remember who we were talking about, but I did learn that. But I do like corporate rock artists because of my age. Sure. I yeah. mean, they're, and you can't escape you can't it. Escape it. 
Well, that's the thing about some of this music is it's never gone away. It's played at sporting events. It's in commercials. It's on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I mean, my uh, my 17-year-old daughter, she'll be singing a song and I'll go, how do you know that song? She'll go, oh, it's on TikTok. And it'll be like a song from 1980. Mm-hmm, but it'll be 15 seconds of it. Right. Um, here's an artist I put, uh, actually has already come up on this episode and I put them on here because I feel like they get a lot of play, but they don't have a ton of songs and that's Blue Oyster Cult. No, they're like Jay Giles band for me. It's, they seem like a regional band that had some success. Bit of a cult, yeah. bit of a cult classic. Yeah, I feel as though they've got, I mean, Don't Fear the Reaper is a song that has only gotten more iconic with time. And then they've got Burning For You, which mm-hmm. is less so. And then Godzilla is fun. If you're just listening to the radio to find out about Blue Oyster Cult, you are literally never going to hear anything else. <laughs> no. I certainly haven't. A fourth Blue Oyster Cult song has never hit me. I took a deep dive on Blue Oyster Cult a couple of years ago because one of my listeners wanted to do an all Blue Oyster Cult episode. And I can tell you, I did not enjoy those albums. <laughs> Seriously, maybe one or two songs from each album would strike a chord, but just not a fan. Are they proggy? Like, are they take a long solo type of band or? You know, what's funny is I can't even describe it. And maybe that's something positive because it wasn't quite heavy metal. It wasn't quite prog and it wasn't quite hard rock either. It was just, I don't know. Space rock, I think mm. is what they call it. Mm. I didn't I didn't enjoy it. And you can't put them in there just because Saturday Night Live had a great sketch about one of their songs. <laughs> That's not enough to get you in there. Sorry, guys. That will not that will not be enough. Okay, here's a band that comes up every once in a while, and they are not an American band, but they had a good amount of success in America. Scorpions. There is a contingent of the of the hard rock community who believes strongly the scorpions are pivotal, that they're foundational hard rock artists. I once got stuck on a dragon boat ride in maybe (laughs) the late 80s. One of those, I was young. I was like five or six years old. And at a theme park, you're talking about like being at a theme park where you're on a big Viking boat. Yeah, a big Viking boat. I was with my older cousins. This was in Tennessee. It was the 80s. I was approximately five or six years old. Um, My cousins were older than me. They were very cute. They had mall hair. The carnies thought they were cute. So they let us stay on the ride and the ride kept going. And Rock You Like a Hurricane was vividly (laughs) playing. I wanted to get off the ride so badly. I pretended that I was about to throw up so that they would let me off. And that's why the Scorpions should not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. (laughs) I am more open to it than I think was before because of some of these hard rock, heavy metal heads advocating. They had big songs. So like you mentioned, Rocky Like a Hurricane, but No One Like You. Zoo and Big City Nights, those are all songs you hear on Class yeah, Rock Radio. I'm like, if Def Leppard is in, I don't know, ACDC is well, in. I, the, what's the Scorpions lack? What's the bridge between the two of those bands? It's the Scorpions. I think what the Scorpions lack, though, that ACDC and Def Leppard have are big albums. Mm. I couldn't tell you what the big Scorpions album is. I'm sure a fan obviously could, but... 
you don't have to know Def Leppard to know about Pyromania or Hysteria. You don't have to know about ACDC to know about Back in Black. They're on a lower tier. We are not sweeping out that level of hard rock yet. We're barely at the best hard rock. So I did, I listened to a podcast called Winds of Change about, it was Patrick Radden, Keith, the author, talking about there's a conspiracy theory that the CIA wrote Winds of Change to like sow democracy in Eastern Europe. that song was like really popular in Eastern Europe and it was right. And that there's, there's the no way that that's even a little bit true, the, right? Uh, Berlin wall. You've listened to the podcast. I did listen I to the podcast and I'm pretty sure I, I don't recall there that's being a big bullshit. bomb uh, <laughs> at the end of it. I think I'd remember if at the end they were like, and they did. I think the existence of that song and, and the importance of it to that moment mm-hmm. is helps their case yes. a little bit. Yeah. It's very tear down the wall. But you know, when, when you see the aforementioned Judas priest and motorhead yep. and yeah. iron maiden and iron these, maiden. Yeah. There's just bigger bands no not way. get in yet. It's just that they're going to have to wait until maybe the rock. And let's not forget how hard I had to try to get off that ride. So again, that's yes, please, another folks. point against them. So as we all say, moving on. For me, Scorpions eventually, but Judas Priest and Iron Maiden way, 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 way yeah. before the Scorpion. Yeah. We're, we're so far from the Scorpions even entering the chat. No. <laughs> there's there's more chance that we'll get bit by yeah, a Scorpion. exactly. And they'll get in the Rock Hall. Easily. Next band might have the most recognizable songs of any of the artists on this list. It's really a competition between three and they are on there. And it kind of, it kind of shocked me when I saw it. Cause I know they have a lot of songs, but it is a lot. And it's the band sticks. Mm. When we talk about having cred sticks is a band that has zero cool cred, zero critical cred sticks is a band that is often annoying sticks is a band that can be Grading. Styx has songs that make me angry. (laughs) Come Sail Away kind of makes my blood boil. It is just so annoying. I'm sailing away. But they have so many songs that get played on classic rock radio. And, you know, there's, there's kind of two sides to the Styx coin. There's the Tommy Shaw, more rocking renegade. Blue collar man. Blue collar man side of sticks. And then you get the Dennis DeYoung theatrical flair, Mr. Roboto. Lady side. Usually, I would say that having two songwriters and singers within a band is a plus. I don't know if that's necessarily true for Sticks. Am I being unfair? Sure. A case can be made given on the hits alone in a way that is more so than even Ario Speedwagon. Yes. Sticks just had a lot, a lot, a lot of hits throughout a long period of time. I will not be entertaining this conversation. I just want to make that clear. I'm happy that Understood. you can Understood. say what you need to say. It's fine. I. This is so never, ever, ever going to happen. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I'm opening a new tab. I'm scrolling for Christmas presents. Like I cannot. Understood. <laughs> I'm going to say 100. 
if journeys in sticks will get in because sticks had four albums in a row that went triple platinum grand illusion pieces of eight cornerstone paradise theater and again i think it's a good thing that dennis appeals to the more uh musical theater theatrical and then the juxtaposition is that the right word oh, yeah. of tommy shaw and james young and uh they also appeal to the prog rock fans too because there's a little proggy stuff in there too you know so. the legion of prog rock fans that we've already discussed, you know, they have so much power and sway. <laughs> True. If I can pinpoint what I think Journey has that Sticks does not have. Okay. Journey has Steve Perry, one of the all-time great rock vocalists. Sure. I mean, he even made the Rolling Stone list. Even the critics who normally thumb their nose have acknowledged Steve Perry. There's also the kind of musicianship cred of especially the early days of journey coming out of Santana and you've got Neil Sean who was, you know, a child prodigy at the guitar being courted by Eric Clapton and Carlos Santana at the age of 14. They also journey has don't stop believing, which is a song that is bigger and more known to every generation. Mr. Than Roboto? Any <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Bold words, but <laughs> Than any stick song. And I think there is a degree of respect to the kind of pop wizardry that's going on with Journey that does not exist for sticks. I will agree. Sticks is a punchline, but you know, they have 16 top 40 hits. That's crazy. And they have album sales. Who is going to advocate for them? Who? An industry person. It, like that's that's the yeah, thing. I don't know it, who would advocate for them. Within the I nominating don't. committee, you have to remember that there are people who are from labels, who are from management companies, who are from agencies. Those, I believe, are the types of people who advocate for the populist groups, in addition to people from the museum. Because I think Sticks does well in the kiosk at the museum. And that does have a little bit of sweat. For me, I, I do think Sticks should be in. You know, it, it begs a lot of questions like who was influenced by Sticks? Who would give the speech when Sticks was This is was not going to happen. You know? <laughs> I believe that we are still talking about it. It's, it's true. Like kind of what Pat was saying, the numbers there are so massive that it is worth at least addressing. A consideration They'll get on the ballot, hopefully. Mm -mm. I don't know about that. I think that. that's their biggest <laughs> obstacle is getting on the ballot. Okay. Part of the reason why we wonder about these classic rock artists is it felt like there was a time for it. You know, like yeah. the year you went, 2016, 2017, 2018, just you look at the artists who were inducted in those three years alone, mm -hmm. and it's Cheap Trick, Chicago, Deep Purple, Steve Miller, Yes, Electric Light Orchestra, Journey, Bon Jovi, The Moody Blues, Dire Straits, Cars. That is a lot of classic rock artists. A lot of classic rock, yeah. And, you know, many of them had been eligible for 15, 20, 25 years at right. that point. And that seemed like, okay, we did that. And now we'll get a little sprinkling of them in the years. Like, you know, we get a Doobie Brother, Def Leppard. We get maybe yeah. Todd Rundgren this year. And so it's it seems like it happened. And now piece by piece, we're closing the book. Okay, that makes sense. But you know that I think it's worth talking about this because I think it could still happen. Now, next band, the, one of the, uh, the other kind of top three in terms of a lot of songs especially if you listen to classic rock, they are kind of, to me, the ultimate classic rock filler band. Like you will always hear some of their songs 
lot of them are nobody's favorite, and I'm talking about Bad Company. And they are a huge part of classic rock radio. I think one thing that would appeal to the nominating committee to the Rock Hall is they come from that blues tradition of blues-based hard rock. And it's not just the title track, it's the band track. They're one of the few bands that has a song that is the name of the album that is the name of the band. (laughs) They have several songs with love in the title, whether it's Feel Like Making Love or Good Love and Gone Bad or Can't Get Enough of Your Love. Rock and roll fantasy. Shooting star. Literally, a song called Moving On. That would have been a perfect uh, (laughs) transition, but you did not. No, because I mean, I do think Bad Company is worth discussing because I don't hate them, but I think that calling them filler feels appropriate. I think that their music has more quality to it than some of the other bands we have discussed. And I think in particular, Mm -hmm. it has more of that kind of cred because of the bluesiness of it. I don't hate this band, you know, copy and paste. I don't see the impetus for them getting in. The groundswell for Bad Company, it's not appearing anytime soon, according to me. They might be, of everyone on this list, if I had to put money on... Actually, no, that's not fully true. They would, of the bands, I think I might put money on them being next. The X Factor there is Paul Rogers, the lead singer. They were the first band to be signed to Led Zeppelin's swan song label. So they had the stamp of approval from Led Zeppelin. From the gods. Yeah. I think it could could work. It like just passes the bar in terms of, like I think industry people like them. There's a level of respect in the Paul Rogers factor could work and just the sheer number of songs i don't know it's kind of hard to hate them i think a lot of these artists it's easy to hate (laughs) um yeah but like it's bad company they're good they're journeymen on some level you know they are reliable consistent nothing blowing you over the way a rock hall inductee should that should should inspire someone to be like passionate and let's admit feel like making love is gross Yeah. Yeah. That song. uh. A lot of those 70s songs about doing it are just gross. (laughs) They really are. And they're just, ugh. okay, no. Yeah. I'd rather hear a song just called Doing It. By LL Cool J. We did. We got that with LL. Next up, we've got a band that I think will get in, but it's hard with the voting body. And I do consider them classic rock, even though there's maybe only three songs that get played and that's Judas Priest. The hall has not embraced heavy metal really at all. And and when they do, it'll be Iron Maiden and Judas Priest Mm -hmm. first. Right. Even though Metallica got in a good 12 years ago. Even Metallica would probably say they would rather have Iron Maiden and Priest in before them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would think. Two ballots for Judas Priest. The nominating committee has put them on the ballot. So we uh, applaud that effort. It's just something going on with the makeup of the voting body that it's not clicking. Who knows with less competition in their lane or if we need a documentary to get people excited. It's also sad because um, Rob Halford isn't LGBTQ icon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's not the stereotypical norm of what 
old America thinks of a gay man. Right. No, exactly. I think for that reason also, it's important that he gets his due and the band gets their due. Yeah, the rep- representation More of that. More queer is artists in the hall is going to be a big plus. Yeah. It's a yes. thing that we advocate for. I think they'll continue to be on the ballot, and I think one day they'll get it. I yeah. just, mm-hmm. I don't see them going away, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the makeup of the nominating committee, the way that it is with the Tom Morello, you know, leading the charge for the hard rock. I don't see any way that they don't get in eventually. They'll keep getting on the ballot until they get in. Here's an artist that will never make the ballot, will never get in the Rock and the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and yet for some reason, we're going to talk about him. Can I guess? Go ahead. Are they from Southern California? No, they're not. They're from a very specific state. Okay. Kansas? Yes. God <laughs> damn Kansas. it. Kansas. Sorry. It's Kansas. Yes. Good guess. They have two monster songs, Carry On, Wayward yep. Son. Then Dust in the Wind. Dust in the Wind. Maybe you'll hear a point of no return. Nothing else you're really ever going to hear. Kansas is just... I mean, if Bad Company's filler, Kansas is filler, filler. I, I don't know. I mean, like, there's not enough there. There's another band that they had Prague influences. And if you've yep. ever seen live footage of them, there's a lot of noodling on keyboards and then noodling on the fiddle, mm-hmm. a, a fiddle noodle. It's just, it's not deep enough. And I'm sure there are people who are very passionate about Kansas and that's nice for them. But uh, almost, almost nothing in terms of qualifications, I think, would be enough for for old Kansas. This is so funny because so many of the artists that you're on your list, I've had band members on my show. Okay, and, um, including <laughs> Kansas, because I'm I'm a fan, but I agree with you. They're a long way down the list of getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, even though "Carry On Wayward Son" is a perfect song it's a great song it's fun it's got layers yes listen you are talking to someone who likes animal collective so it's not like i am against a meandering eight minute song i understand but you also won't hear me being like well you know meriwether post pavilion was a pretty important album to a lot of people it's like no i understand where i stand yeah Uh, the context the objectivity yeah you're right carry on wayward song is a track that if it comes on the radio i'm grooving there's a documentary on kansas and they talk about the song i forget who says it but he said every part of the song is iconic the guitar solo the keyboard solo the the core and like every single thing just when mm-hmm. you think it can't get better the next part beats the last part so it's it's it was interesting to hear someone talk about it yeah okay now here's an artist i would put money on that they will get in next year Ooh, wow. It's Pat Benatar. Yeah, put her in. She won the Grammy for Best Female Rock Vocalist four years in a row. And it was stiff competition every year. It wasn't like she walked away with it. So I don't know what the problem is. The only thing I can think of is that Pat wants her husband to go in also. And he will when she gets inducted, when they... You know, I've never seen a solo artist have on the Rock Hall's website a list of band members to be inducted, but Neil was on there. So when she gets inducted, Neil is getting a, he's getting a statue too. But is that keeping her from getting in there? I don't know. I I don't think enough people care about that. Or or paying attention because that didn't make news or anything. It was, I think part of it might be she's not really playing ball. I don't know what her social media presence is like, but. None. 
I don't know what her social life is like. (laughs) But I just think, you know, you look at the Go-Go's who really engaged with their nomination and you could tell they wanted it and they got out the vote, even though the, the fan vote doesn't really matter at all. They still got out the vote and they were vocal. And, you know, there were also five of them who were vocal and excited and almost doing the rounds. Pat kind of did the opposite of that. There was yeah. no acknowledgement. I think if anyone asked her about it, she was kind of blasé. Um, and anyone on her team or her family was asked about it. It was kind of snarky. That doesn't always mean you won't get in the hall. I mean, you look at Radiohead, which might be a good case study because they did not get in their first year of eligibility, which was surprising, but they got in the next year. So maybe a similar thing with Pat. And I think there might've also been, I would have said Pat was a slam dunk. And I did on this show. If you go back to when we were recording episodes around then, I would have said Pat's getting in. She's waltzing in. I threatened to quit the show if she did not get in. (laughs) I thought for sure. But then you you decided the show means more. I have no scruples. I... <laughs> no integrity. So I think there might have also been people who are like, I don't think Pat needs my vote. We've talked to somebody specifically. Chris Melanfi told us he did not vote for Pat Benatar because he didn't think she needed the vote. And uh, she didn't get in. And when she's on the ballot again, I don't think anyone's making that mistake again. We talk about Pat a lot. She is very deserving. She has a lot of songs. She's a trailblazer. She, there's no one quite like her. And she absolutely deserves to be in the hall. Without her, rock and roll would have been different. Yep. If Kansas is removed from the equation, I don't know if the rivers of rock really changed that much. (laughs) But Pat, yes, I do. I, I think, I think she's pivotal. I'm excited to watch her be inducted next year. Yeah, she paves the way for everyone, you know, Taylor Swift or Miley Cyrus or Olivia Rodrigo, all these. I mean, you need a Pat Benatar. Yeah, she's getting in. She'll hopefully she gets in this year. I don't know. I'll live to eat my words another day. Next up, we've got a band that's not quite a band, but has a lot of songs. And, you know, we talk about corporate rock, Boston. Okay, may I go first? Yes. Boston's debut album is one of the best debut albums of all time. The follow-up is great too, but then that's it. There's nothing else. There's nothing. And so, no. (laughs) No. It's interesting because they even, beyond that second album, they had a number one hit on the third album. They had Amanda. eight years later yeah and that song's fine it was just i think it was number one because people were We're like so excited because it was eight years and here's a boston album but that album's not good no and and when do you ever hear the song amanda never 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 or anything else off that third album so no take your residuals and call it a day i think what hurts him also is that boston was barely a band it was tom Scholz in his basement like putting it all together which in today's context is cool Back then, he had to hide that he was doing that. Now it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a Nine Inch Nails thing. Or it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that type of bedroom recording artist is thought to be cool. It was not cool then. That Boston debut album is maybe the only album I can think of where every single track can and does get played on classic rock radio. I think you're right. Literally every single one I have heard on classic rock radio. There's even a long instrumental called foreplay and that gets played too. I mean, every single track. Foreplay slash long time is a, is a staple of of classic rock. And then, you know, they've got a signature song more than a feeling. 
everybody knows that song and it shows up on the greatest of all time list. The list of songs, like I'm not going to say every single track on that debut album. And you're right, the, the second album has stuff too, but the longevity and the lack of it being a real band. I mean, Brad Delp was not to diminish his contributions, a very skilled singer, Yeah, but they, they also, they're, they're not, they don't really have the critical cred. They don't have the cool cred and you know, no. they were interesting. It's nice and it's fine and it's good that they succeeded and that they made the music that they made and that we continue to hear it to this day. Right. Is that Do not they enough? Need to be? <laughs> not enough. It is not enough. It does not appear to be enough. It doesn't feel like it's enough. I guess that's what I will say. And I yeah. was saying, is that not enough for you, Boston? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you were like, is that not enough to get them into the thing? I'm like, <laughs> I don't yeah, think I so. meant like your songs get played and people know them. Is that not enough for you, Boston? <laughs> Well, you have to want to get into our most respected and renowned institution. <laughs> that no one has any problems with. Yep. All right. Next up is, is my third heavy hitter in terms of just songs that people know. The list is long. And they are also, I think, a cutoff band because they made it into the 80s and started doing ballads and it's Foreigner. Yep. <laughs> I think yes for Foreigner because there are so many recognizable guitar riffs and songs and the album sold extremely well. Again, I'm going to say if Journey's in, I think Foreigner should be in too. Now, who's going to go to the mat for Foreigner? I don't know. And here's mm. the thing. Famously, president of the Rock Hall, Ahmet Erdogan, went to the mat for Foreigner because they were a huge signing for Atlantic Records. The story has been told on our podcast and other places is that he brought up Foreigner Early on, when they got eligible, pretty much, and the nominating committee did not take him seriously and pretty much laughed at him. The guy with the most influence yeah, historically at the Rock Hall. So I don't know how things have changed. You would think that would be the time for it to happen. It, it gets probably get worse every year for their yeah. chances. And I don't know who's advocating for it, but they're a major, major rock band. Well, here's the sales numbers on the first six albums, which all feature Lou Graham as vocalist. The first album, 5 million copies. The second album, 7 million copies. Then the third album, 5 million. Fourth album, 6 million. Fifth album, 3 million. And then the sixth album, 1 million. But still, platinum for multi-platinum for the first six albums. I will say what I have said, which is... <laughs> You know, they made the music they made. The people are karaokeing their jams. <laughs> At this very moment, someone is singing a foreigner song in a karaoke bar. It is statistically improbable that any moment of the day, a foreigner song is not being played or sung somewhere in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yet... Are you making an induction speech for them? <laughs> yeah, are you, you going to induct them? Am I being and stirred? No, you're not because, and that is enough. Okay, what about this? <laughs> and Kristen? that is enough. Is that not enough? That is enough. What about this? Nine top 10 singles. That's why. I hear you. Good for them. Great. Good. Yay. Okay, let me Induct make it them. even better. <laughs> six. Six of those are top five. Oh. I'm so happy for them. I'm so well, here's, happy well, for them. Well, if I may, <laughs> and I don't mean to be a little advocate for the devil, but Kristen, mm. these are the type of numbers 
that could be used and have been used on this show to advocate for someone like Mariah Carey. Listen, I hear you and I, you know I also mean? And hear the, I hear the, no, but you know what? We're coming up on 2022 here and we are just, we're not focused. We're not looking back. In 20 years, if Mariah hadn't gotten in and then we're still like trying to argue about it, it would probably be that her time has passed. Mm-hmm. It won't mm-hmm. because uh, you yeah, know what you know, soon. but good for them. I'm glad that that happened for them. I won't be like furious if they get in. I don't think it's necessary. Just let that be enough, foreigner. You got what you got. Congratulations. Let's not put seven more white guys in the hall. (laughs) Here's the thing, Kristen. When I'm advocating for the bands that Joe is saying today, that doesn't mean that I want Foreigner in before Carly Simon, because I don't. I want Carly Simon in first. So uh, I'm only going by what I'm handed today (laughs) and saying (laughs) yes no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be angry. I just am like, it's not necessary. It's not like, oh my God, there's no Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without Foreigner. That sounds... Yeah, someone believes that. I Many know they people do, and they're probably, it, yeah. they're probably quite mad at me right now, but that's nothing new. You, you know, know <laughs> what the way I feel is coming off of 2018, I think I even coined it as the Sinister Six. I, there yes, was, you did. There was a, a grouping <laughs> of artists included in that was Foreigner. And a lot of the artists were saying today, I was so tired of the majority of the classes being what I thought were middle of the road classic rock acts. Yeah. That the thought of it's going to be foreigner and bad company and it was very boring and tiring to me. We've since then, though, we've had three pretty good years of way more variety, way more diversity in terms of genre and in other ways. Maybe you sneak in a foreigner or a bad company one at a time every few years, I'm okay with it. Provided that you have a Devo in there also. Exactly. Yeah. You put in the B-52s or, you know, you put in Joy Division New Order or Cool yeah. and the Gang and that you have a well-rounded class. It, 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 it yeah. really got to a point where it was frustrating. Like, and that's the thing, like about those years, if you had sprinkled those out both before and after those years, instead of concentrating them all into one, it makes the medicine go down a little bit better. Yeah. Kind of the rest of the artists, I don't know if we need to spend a ton of time. I think worth mentioning because these are some artists that are probably not going to get in the hall, but credit where credit is due. They have songs that get played on classic rock radio, like Eddie Money. Eddie Money has a lot of, lot of hit songs, you know, and, you know, I think he's pegged as a- What's as he, a, take, take Me Home Tonight? Is that one of them? Two Tickets to Paradise. Baby, hold on. Shaken. Talk about Billy Squire at all? Yeah, Billy Squire. Bill Squire is coming up. Um, Bill Squire. Oh, Bill. Well, Bill. Bill Squire. Squire. But before we get to Billy Squire, George Thorogood and the Destroyers. No, never. That will never happen. I mean, we're we're going through some some artists that will never get in. But you know, his reward is bad to the bone. Is in every fucking trailer trailer about a a baby who's cool. Yeah, (laughs) who puts on sunglasses? Oh Christ. Yeah, he's set for life. That That is the reward, is yeah, that's the, the residuals. Reward. Here's one that I don't know that I would have considered, but I, I think as a classic rock artist, I think it's chopped off and then becomes 80s, was supposed to be at the induction ceremony this year, and it's Brian Adams. Ooh, he's like the new, I mean, if I will... <laughs> It's not, it's kind of rude, but is Jan was quite close friends with Peter Wolf. Yeah. yeah. 
from mm-hmm. Jay Giles band mm-hmm. feels kind of like, you know, this could be Sykes' Peter the Wolf. The new chairman, John Sykes, uh, big fan and seems to be close friends with Brian Adams. And so we're wondering if he will make the ballot. And Brian, to me, though, is a more notable to my generation than the Jay Giles band. Yeah, huge songs. Huge, 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 mega huge songs. And sold a lot and of records. I famously did curse him with COVID. And I, mm-hmm. you know, so I will not be saying anything more about <laughs> Brian Adams. Because we're worried about what, what might happen. Yeah. I don't want to be held responsible for him getting in or not, to be honest. Yeah, you better not say <laughs> anything. on the ballot, I should be quiet. I think he ruined his rock cred, though, with those three or four sappy soundtrack ballads that are just nauseating to my Are you ears. talking about my mom and stepdad's wedding song, Everything I Do, I Do It For You? I thought their wedding song was Feel Like Making Love, no? Oh, God, thank God, no. <laughs> Good. I mean, I guess it could have been worse, huh? Now, here, here's an interesting one. And actually, I think it's a band that gets in, and I think they get played on 80s radio, but I think they also get a decent amount of classic rock radio playing that's in excess. Oh, hell yeah. I do not consider this. a cl- This again, we are solidly, we've entered new wave territory in a major yeah. way. I'm We're like, what are we now. even doing? Like, We're in the 80s. This, this is I'm, 80s new wave. Yeah. yeah. I hear that they could be played on a classic rock station, are. but they, to me, are solidly in a way different category. And I would love to see them get in. Yeah. They're like Duran Duran. Yeah. And like I put exactly. them in the same category as Duran Duran. And yeah. some person at clear channel decided they were classic rock or at least some of their songs were classic rock weirdly enough all right let's talk about billy squire go off everybody on billy squire who also is someone with more songs than you might remember i have gone on record on this show i'm sure as saying that i think the song lonely is the night by billy squire is an all-time banger It's a stay in the car if it's on the radio until it's over kind of song. I love that song. Billy Squire's not getting in the hall. He's in my stay in your car till the song's over hall. Billy Squire's got at least six songs that still get played on the radio, which is kind of crazy. And, you know, sometimes that's a qualification that uh, someone would be like, of course they waltz in and they'll, they'll be fine. Billy Squire, it's just not adding up. It yeah, is that unfair. Yeah, the stroke is not going to get, it's not taking you to the top. Somebody's singing that song at karaoke somewhere. Good for them. I also think the fact that he's still alive, but he's been retired for years and years and years, hasn't made new music. He's not even in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. No, he and he will never be. Here's my Billy Squire story, if you guys don't know this. He was in a band called Piper who did two albums. And then that band broke up and he was staying on Capitol Records as a solo artist. They offered him a really shitty deal. So he said to them, I'll take the deal if you let me own my masters. And they said, okay, you can own your masters. And that paid off in spades for Billy Squire. Wow. Because one of his songs, Big Beat, on his first solo album, is the most sampled song, I believe, in rap of all time. Oh, yeah, big, uh uh-huh. So Billy Squire was a smart businessman in wanting to own his masters. He knew it before Taylor did, you know, own your masters. I think kids these days, they know that now. Yeah. Yes. 
here's a band that keeps coming up because they keep winning and or they keep being at the top of the kiosk at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum where the visitors in the museum can say who they want to be in the hall. They consistently do very well. Motley Crue. Oh, I don't see it happening just ballot wise. I don't think that they would necessarily not get in if they were on a ballot. Mm -hmm. They're they're like so known. Yeah, but they are also so gross. Yeah. Yeah, they're known. They're more well-known for their bad behavior than they are for the music. Not to say, you know... That we don't put gross people in the hall. <laughs> well, I mean, well, yeah, true. a lot of You're bad right. behavior in the hall, but also... Like, this is a whole pack of mm-hmm. gross people together. They have probably seven songs that everybody knows, which is a lot. Sure. I don't know if Motley Crue is classic rock either. That was one where it's like, where I'm from, they were not, but I know that other markets consider them... They're hair band metal. yeah. That's pretty much the list. I also threw on there a band that I think is a classic rock artist, even though their first recording is 1990. Hmm. And that's the Black Crows. Pounding Crows? Yes. (laughs) The Black Crows, no. (laughs) The Black Crows get played on classic rock radio. They won't get in the hall, I don't think. Maybe we just do a crow year where we get Cheryl, Uh Black, and Counting all in there. Mm -hmm. I'm down. There's a band that I was waiting for you to mention that is 100% a punchline. I like them. I've had members on my show. They've won a Grammy for Album of the Year, and it's uh, Toto. I don't know if they're classic rock. I thought about them because I think Hold the Line is classic rock. Baby Africa, but I feel like Rosanna, Rosanna and Africa maybe are 80s. I don't know. Wow, so wild. The distinctions you're drawing, you put in excess squarely on the classic rock mm-hmm. thing, but Toto mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Toto's You're out rock. of your mind. Listen. Joe, I don't understand this format of this radio station in your head here. Kristen, but it, you did not listen to classic rock radio the way I did. Her mom did, so she was exposed to yeah. it. Yeah. I listened to it so much, the stuff in my head would give you bad dreams. <laughs> All I need to say say. is I have a good sense for it, but it doesn't make any sense. Like I can just kind of instinctively say if I think it's classic rock based on if I've heard it on a classic rock station. Regardless, Toto, if not for their contributions to other artists' albums, those guys are like the greatest, some of the greatest session musicians of all time. Yeah. And then their Africa as a song was laughed at and now future generations have embraced it as something oddly beautiful. And so I don't know where Toto exists because I think them as a band, like you said, are they're a they're a punchline. They're a punchline, and yet what's the saying? They're uh, the sum is lesser than <laughs> the whole the part- is lesser than the sum of the parts. Yes, maybe. <laughs> I think the parts are better than than the sum. Yeah, because I think those guys are individually incredible. incredible. Yeah, yes, just some of the best studio musicians and just straight up musicians, and then their band is like. Eh. Toto? Early on, we did a Toto episode, right? We sure did. Yeah, we did. One of our first episodes. I got to check that out. I don't know that you do. Uh, (laughs) We don't don't go deep. It was early days. I'm sure I literally knew nothing. Still figuring it out. I can't imagine you talked at all during that episode. Gosh. I'm sure what I said was uh, really regrettable, to be honest. I think I said they could probably get in in 40 years. I think I said something (laughs) crazy like that, Uh, just because I don't think it's going to happen, but I didn't feel like saying never. And I do want to acknowledge I had some other names of artists that I considered that I just didn't feel like they fit for one reason or another. 
Meatloaf is someone who obviously had a big album in the 70s in the classic rock era, but I just don't feel like he gets played that much. There's also artists that had huge solo careers, but they're already inducted as members of bands like, say, Ozzy Osbourne, who's in Black Sabbath, or Don Henley and Joe Walsh, and I guess Glenn Fry too, from the Eagles, Phil Collins from Genesis. Those are all people that, I don't know, I just felt a little redundant. Maybe they'll be considered, maybe not. And then there are just some artists, I'll be honest, I was bopping around the list and I just didn't get to them like, say, Steppenwolf or 38 Special or Bachman Turner Overdrive. Peter Frampton is one we probably could have talked about, but, you know, I'm trying to wrap this episode up. So, Pat, anything else just left to be said about classic rock or the rock hall in general that you would like to? I mean, I can't believe Melissa Etheridge and Cheryl Crow aren't in yet. I mean, if we're going to put women in. Right. I mean, it's like you said, Carly Simon earlier. Carly Simon. She's someone who's really been left out of the conversation. There's three strong singer songwriters that deserve to be in female singer songwriters. So it it leaves you scratching your head, but it is, uh, there uh, there are many, many, many snubs. Yeah. True. Maybe I mentioned one or two of them today. Uh, But, you know, I feel like we did address something that we hadn't really gone deep with, which was, you know, there are some people who believe that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be classic rock and nothing else. There are certainly people who believe they look at the term rock and roll and their head goes to guys playing the guitar in the 70s. I guess this episode stands to go. Is that what you really want? (laughs) I guess that's the question we ask. Pat, thank you so much for joining us on this walk through the people on the outside looking in for classic rock. Thank you. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to, you know, you've got your own podcast, Rock Solid, to go ahead, plug that or anything else you'd like to, social media, whatever. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Rock Solid Show. You can follow us on Instagram at Rock Solid Show. And just go to rocksolidpodcast.com for all things about the show, episodes, T-shirts, buttons, whatever you want. Merch. All there. Merch. We got merch. Yeah, merch. Beautiful. But uh, but uh, number one, just listen. Give us a shot. Yeah, and I get the sense if people listen to this show, they would also enjoy your show. Absolutely, yeah. they would. You, you get a lot of uh, great interviews, and uh, it's an exciting time to listen to people talk about music. Our listeners know they can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram. RockHallPod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see your message, you need to designate that somewhere. Otherwise, I'm not going to forward it because she does not want to see it. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> uh, rate and review us. Five stars only. Anything less than five would be cruel and unusual. So please do us a favor. Also, tis the season for giving. <laughs> <laughs> so if you feel like giving us anything, a nice fat five-star review and uh, a review that says something nice. And also, as we've acknowledged, it doesn't even need to say anything nice. You just kind of write whatever. You can do that if you so choose to. Um, I've got some dates, uh, stand-up dates coming up. I'm at the Arcade Theater in Pittsburgh on December 23rd, and I am at the Lincoln Lodge in Chicago on December 30th. So please come out to those shows. They will be fun. And if you want to ask me about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there, I will engage you in that conversation. (laughs) 
without a doubt. Uh, thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music. Thank you to Future Rock Legends, which is a website that uh, if you are curious about who else is not in the hall or who's been nominated, any data you want, you can go to that site. And uh, thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the Rock Hall? Hall.